listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. Welcome to episode 158 of the Testudo Times podcast. Well, we were supposed to record this yesterday, but your podcast host, producer, and editor forgot that we set something up. Oops. Maybe it's just because I wanted to forget about the lacrosse thing from the weekend. I think we're all could, fair in doing that. Yeah, I honestly had forgotten about it for half a second, um, and now I have to talk about it, so that's fun. Well, we won't start by talking about it because we're recording this right after the Big Ten baseball tournament started. So you wanted to get baseball in first, so I'll let you go on with that. Yeah, so Maryland baseball kind of in the last week has had very much a turn of fortune. They were 9-12 and 12 in conference play on the outside looking in for the conference tournament. Um, and then they go sweep Iowa, who was already in, basically, and finish 12-12. and 12. They get in on the last day, and not only do they get in, they earn the number six seed. Um, and then they play Illinois, the best RPI team in the Big Ten, the number three seed, but also a team that Maryland took two out of three from earlier in the year. And got the better of them again today. The game was tied 1-1 going into the eighth, and then Maryland hit two bombs at a park that's not easy to hit bombs. So... Maryland moves on. This is Omaha. This is where they play College World Series. Ah. TD Ameritrade Park. It's so weird to think, oh, they're playing in Omaha. It's the Big Ten, everybody. Yeah, and it's like such an exciting place to play, too. Like, you wouldn't – Omaha, for a lot of – for most things, is not a destination. It's got a USL League One team coming, sir. That's Uh, exciting. My My bad. I might end up calling a game from that team next year. I have no idea. Who knows? I've already called a, te- a game from a team in Statesboro, Georgia, home of beautiful Georgia Southern University. Well, there you go. Fun belt. Hashtag fun belt. Yes, absolutely. Anyway, that's irrelevant to the discussion. I'm just saying Omaha's not that terrible. Uh, maybe people don't think of it as a city anymore. They think of it as a Peyton Manning audible call. Regardless... They're in the tournament. They have one win. It's double elimination baseball tournament, so it could be kind of funny how the whole thing sets up. But, hey, you get a win already. That puts you off on a good start. And, I mean, Maryland, it probably prolongs the inevitable, but the fact that they got there, they got where they needed to get, and then they beat somebody like this already is a good sign. Oh, for sure. I mean, and, you know, it's a weird season. They only have four seniors on the whole team, but three of them uh, just earned all Big Ten selections. Um, they also had Big Ten Freshman of the Year, Maxwell Costas, um, also a first-team All-Big Ten player. And, you know, six six Terps in total made all-conference teams. So, th- I mean, this was a team that was kind of hard to peg down. They lost a lot, and they were not good last year. They brought in a lot of new players, and um, a lot of guys had sort of bounce-back seasons or breakout seasons. And, you know, they've they've pieced together something pretty good. And we'll see what they can do for the rest of the weekend. Yeah, the entire tournament's on BTN. I don't know who their next opponent is or when they're playing next. So it's either Michigan or Ohio State uh, tomorrow evening. Okay. And but they lost five out of six to those teams combined. Well, let's be honest. That's better than playing at 9 a.m. Omaha time, which is what they just did. Yes. That's just ridiculous. 
Got to do what you got to do. Ah, that's a stupid tournament. Okay, so do what lacrosse do you want to start with? Do you want to start with the good or the bad? Uh, I really want to get the bad out of the way. Let's do that. Okay, here's what I'm going to say about that, because I watched the ending. And really, I shouldn't have done that, because my history with Maryland men's lacrosse, as you know, features... All right, when did, you, when did you tune in? I tuned in when it was like... Tw- I was checking briefly and every now and again. So I checked in the first half. I checked at one point when it was 12-7. I'm like, okay, probably good. Then I checked back in and it was 12-9. And then I watched the end till the end. Uh, so I saw what happened. Great timing. Yeah, great very timing. good timing. Here's, you what saw the, to, here's what I'm going to say. The live call from the was, scene of the crime. Yeah, I know. The call was terrible. I don't know how the referees can't figure out what pipe sounds like. But then again, the Cody Eakin call against Vegas was terrible in Game 7 against the Sharks. You don't give up four goals on a five-minute major. And for Maryland, you can't give up a five-goal lead in that situation. As bad as the call was, and it was terrible, they still choked. It was really, really bad to watch. And the reason why they were giving up all those goals, they couldn't win a face-off to save their life. Yeah, I mean, the, the face-off unit really had a rough NCAA tournament. They, you know, against Towson... That's kind of expected. Alex Woodall from Towson is one of the best faceoff guys in the country. Uh, Maryland won just nine of thirty-one against Towson, and then they you went nine of twenty-eight against. You don't. And then they went that. nine of twenty-eight against Virginia and lost the last seven. And you cannot lose the last seven in a game that's at all close. And that's that's. I mean, that's how you do it. Like the the stall ball offense. You know, it's not as bad as it might seem when you don't get a shot off because it's not like you're not trying to get a shot off. It's just, you can't find what it, you know, a shot that you like and then well, you dump it at the end. a shot clock now, yeah. which speeds the game up a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So I think Maryland last really had the ball on its side of the field with four minutes left and was up four at the time. And so really what you have to do, if you win one face off, you probably walk out of there. But because eventually the defenders get tired because it's all coming yeah. at them all the time. And, of course, I mean, you all know the lacrosse rules, so I don't have to explain them. But for those people out there who don't know how lac- men's lacrosse works, attackers cannot come into the defensive area. So it's the same players getting run at all the time. And you get tired really quickly when you're running around. And there's a lot of place for you to run around. I know you're going to hate me for explaining lacrosse rules, but in case some people there who are not big lacrosse fans who are wondering, okay, how did this happen? That's how it happens. So, yeah, I mean, the defense gets tired and offense finds a rhythm. Uh, and, you know, the faceoff guy finds a rhythm at once. And it's one of those things, now, you know. when Maryland, when the phantom goal was scored, the pipe goal, and by the way, there's going to be video in lacrosse next year. It's 100% guaranteed to happen because when a school like Maryland gets screwed out of that, John Tillman's going to say, what the hell are you doing? Why can't we look at that? And they're going to look at that. I mean, whether they got to put a guy up in the booth that could tell you. Virginia still would have had it with about a minute to go, and they still would have had the ball. So it's not like Virginia still couldn't have scored, but Maryland could have gotten one more defensive stop. The one stop that they got that forced it to overtime might have been a stop to help them win the game. So it's clear that they still could have lost, but that was still an awful call. And I don't know in what universe you can't figure that out. And I understand, like, you know, sports are getting faster and faster, and human refs can't, you know, keep up necessarily, but... The sound of a ball going in the back of, an, of a lacrosse net is very different than it ringing off the pipe. I could tell. Yeah, I mean, it's the sound and it's the bounce. Like, a ball that hits the net doesn't go to midfield. Yes. 
In hockey, if you hit, like, the camera in the back of the net, yes, it can come in and out really quickly, but it doesn't happen like that when the ball... Guess which sport doesn't have a camera in the back of the net? This sport does not have a camera in the back of the net, no. It's... It was really bad. Like, unacceptably bad in a game like that. And then you hear, oh, they can't review it, they have no video review, and you go, yeah, they're gonna... And even then, like, you don't... Even then, they don't huddle up and be like... None of the refs is like, oh, I don't know. Jim. I heard a whistle. None of the refs everyone, is like, that. everyone kept playing. I'm like, I heard a whistle. I'm like, did they just give that as a goal? And... Yeah, the ball was at midfield when the announcer said they're calling it a goal. Because everyone kept playing. Because, mm-hmm. you know, don't you think the players would know if the ball went in the net or not? You'd think. Well, regardless of this. So, what does this leave Maryland at? Because they had a really odd year. They played well to start, were really bad down the stretch. Got out of Dodge against Towson, had a lead, and then lost against Virginia. That's still quarterfinals. It's the first time since 2012 they're not playing on Memorial Day weekend. But where does this leave the team? Because, you know, when you're Maryland men's lacrosse, you are expected to go every year pretty much to the Final Four. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's somewhat of a disappointing season, but at the same time, it's not horrible. Um, you know, the line for, for Maryland this year was just so thin between being bounced in the first round or even really not making the tournament and being in the final four. Like it was tournament wise, like just the margins were so thin. I think this was always going to be an an interesting year for them. Um, They lost a lot of, you know, key veteran pieces. Most of the attack this year was underclassmen. Um, Still scored a lot of goals. They just didn't defend nearly as well as they usually do. Yeah. And you know they lost a couple pieces on defense as well. They they have a lot coming back. They did they didn't have uh, Dan Morris this year, new goalie. Danny Dolan was pretty good most of the year. Um, had some had his, probably his best game in the tournament against Towson. You know it was a breakout year for Jared Bernhardt. Uh, scored 51 goals, which is second most in program history, and he's got a year left to to beat that number. Logan Wisnowskis you know, took the step forward. Um, there's, there's a lot to be encouraged about for the future. I think the season itself, you know, was pretty good and got a little sidetracked and it put them in a tough position where they had to play a team like Virginia, who's had a lot of comebacks, uh, throughout the year. And then apparently they just spent all the season trailing and then coming back late, which I don't know how you can do that realistically and win, but whatever. It's, it's hard to do. I mean, I think, and the face-off unit was just really inconsistent. They had some really good games. Um, Austin Henningsen, for the season, I think, had some pretty good numbers, but was very much, you know, a kryptonite in the tournament. Another thing about Penn's Lacrosse, again, I know almost all of you follow this, but if you don't, like, your face-off guy does nothing other than win face-offs. He's there, and he gets off the field immediately. So And he may or may not still be the most important guy on the team. Oh, he... Probably is. I mean, I when I like for two twice in three years, we've now had a face-off guy as a Tewarton finalist. Yeah, which is true because if you win every face-off, you're gonna win because the defense is gonna get tired no matter how good your goalie is. I mean, that's the glory of lacrosse. Yeah, it's like there is like no other sport is it that important because you know you lose jump balls in basketball. Oh well, you lose a face-off in the NHL. Oh well, you know what I mean. This sport is almost entirely predicated on that. It's crazy. 
So, uh, yeah, it stinks. And I'm just not going to watch the final because it's got Penn State in it, Virginia and Duke. I'm going to ignore it this week, and I think that's probably good for all of us. That's a lot yeah. of not good in that final. Yeah, I mean, you can. there are other things you can do on Memorial Day. I mean, th- this tournament has been nuts. Yeah. So, like, There's you'll probably get some, I mean, it'll be fun, but I think since Maryland fans, it gives you, like, three teams you have allergic reactions to. As a Maryland fan, just going to ignore it. Yeah, I mean, I I would totally get that. Um, that's just not bothering. I don't know what I'll be doing on Saturday, Monday. You'll be watching the women. Well, the women are... That's Friday, Sunday. That's true. Well, what I'll be doing on Saturday... I don't know. I'll probably watch Major League Soccer. Not a terrible idea. Uh, let's speak nope. about the women. Uh, they lost in the Big Ten Tournament Final Northwestern, and then they turned back into Maryland women's lacrosse again. They got angry. Yeah, so they actually fell behind 4 nothing in the first round um, against Stony Brook. They lost the first five draws. They just really couldn't get anything going. And then, all of a sudden, they've got it going. Um, they they ended up up by five at halftime. They won that game 17-8. And then they just kind of dominated Denver, who came in with the best scoring defense in the country. They averaged less than seven goals a game. They gave up seven goals to Caroline Steele by herself. <laughs> and Maryland won that game 17-8 to eight as well, and it wasn't even that close. So, as I say, as we always say, sometimes Maryland women's lacrosse just does stuff. Yeah, I mean, and this is just such a balanced team. You know, they have several different scoring options. Only, like, three or four players actually scored in that game on Saturday. But that's because Caroline Steele scored seven of them, and you don't need much more than that. Nope. Nope. And so now the revenge tour really begins because Northwestern first on Northwestern at the scene of the crime too. In yeah, you know, the, one in Baltimore. Yeah, same place the Big Ten tournament was. Same so place think, Northwestern I mean, just like, came out. How well, I cannot tell you off the top of my head. I didn't do research for this, and I should have, but cannot imagine the last time that a Maryland women's lacrosse team lost to the same team twice in a year. I can't imagine that's happened often, if at all. It's, yeah, it, it would it would have been a while. They, they hardly ever lose twice in a season at all. This is true. And so losing twice to the same team seems, I mean, Northwestern's really good. So, but the fact that Maryland had already lost to them, I think they, they don't need much to motivate themselves. But especially to go back there and have that game playing in their head, and, you know, Kathy Reese is telling them about that. Seems like mm-hmm. they've got a good chance as any to, to rebound and, and win. Third meeting this year between Maryland and Northwestern. Yeah, um, I think the last time I remember in lacrosse, the way you play a team three times is regular season conference tournament. NCAA um, tournament. NCAAs. And there's actually a, a third time around the other side as well with Boston College and UNC. So you wonder now, like, because the winners of those teams, it's emotional games. And, you know, those are, I mean, Northwestern and Maryland are the two equals in women's lacrosse in the Big Ten. And UNC and BC are two of the best teams in the country. So you wonder, like, are they just going to beat the crap out of each other? And then just someone's going to stagger into the Sunday final panting? You know what I mean? I mean, it could be. It really depends on, you know, which of those games ends up being more draining. Because, you know, it's not a given that they'll be close, but I think... At, you know, both of them have a should be pretty close. Um, Maryland plays, I believe, the second game on on Saturday. Yeah, on they Friday. have the they have the seven thirty start. Although it'll probably be like eight, eight almost. Yeah, that's um, on ESPN News, by the way. 
It used to be on ESPN3. It's on ESPN News, so it's on TV, and the Sunday final's on ESPNU. So if you're not doing anything... Or even if you are, like... I'm presuming you're going to... Move plans. Move plans, yeah. Yeah, because it's going to be... Because, again, whatever the final is is going to be great, but, I mean, Maryland has so much history with both of those teams that... Yeah, I mean, UNC took Maryland to double overtime in College Park this year. Uh, BC eliminated Maryland last year. After BC Maryland, was number one. You know, kind of BC was them. number one in the country all season. And after Maryland kind of beat them, you know, 2017. Mm-hmm. So as I said, history with the teams. Yeah, lot lot going on. That that'll be a fun weekend. That will be fun. Yes, in Baltimore. So if you aren't going, you probably are. Hopefully, some of you are at the very least. Pro Maryland crowd, I would assume. And then, I don't know if we've podcasted since the Tewart and stuff came out, have we? I do not think so, because it's been a couple of weeks. Because uh, the last time we did it, we talked about the tournament period. Yeah, so we'll just go with uh, Jared Bernhardt. I mean, we talked about him. 51 goals in a season is... It's a lot. It's one off the Maryland all-time record. Now, there was also... There's a guy on Penn State who's probably going to break the all-time record for goals in a season. Don't if, mention As that. long as his team plays... He's, I mean, I'm just, I'm not even going to say his name, but he's not a Tewarton finalist That's somehow. That's kind of great. Well, it's because Penn State's not a lacrosse school. And yet. And yet. Well, and yes. yet. They do have, they do have one finalist who's going to win it. And most likely Boston College's Sam Puzo is going to win on the women's side. Yeah. Um, but Maryland, Maryland does have two dominoes there. finalists and winners. I don't think they're going to cry if they don't get one. Yeah, Maryland, um also has two finalists on the women's side jen giles megan taylor so it's always exciting to see a goalie get you know that kind of recognition it's it's kind of hard to do goalies in lacrosse to win the best player in the country is great it's hard but to be nominated you know that that shows how you know above and beyond everyone else at your position you are absolutely so that's lacrosse one not good one perhaps very good so We'll podcast next week when we know whether Maryland has won, and God willing, they will. Uh, let's focus on other sports because there's a lot of other stuff that's happened. NBA scouting combine has happened. I haven't paid attention to it. Um, most people have been talking about how Zion's not actually going to play for the Pelicans when we know he is. Uh, Bruno Fernando at the combine. Very interesting what he decided to do. Yeah, so he didn't play in the scrimmages this year, which I was I was somewhat surprised by it. I thought being able to make an impact in those scrimmages would have really, really helped him. Um, it was sort of one of the areas he struggled last year. But I guess he was comfortable enough with sort of where he's been, you know, where he's been standing and maybe wanted to turn his focus to to the drills and interviews and working out with teams and um, really making those individual impressions rather than impressing sort of scouts as a whole. He's still looking like a first-round pick. I've seen back end of the first round a lot in the mock drafts that I've been reading. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of 20s. Uh, you know, you're you're seeing a little bit more, you know, teens now than you were before. So maybe his stock is back on the rise. Um, you know, it would, it would be a stunner if he ended up in the second round. There's still obviously time for things to happen. But all you need in the NBA he, he is seems to be in pretty good. All you need is one team. To say they're going to draft in, you. In some ways, but even then, a lot of teams, you know, the draft is weird. Teams tell you you're their guy, and then a guy who they 
didn't think that would have a chance at becomes available. Yeah, but I mean, I we've seen enough of this now where, you know, players get told and then they do get drafted, and you go like, oh wait, what? Yeah. So, I think that he yeah, the scrimmages aren't going to do. I they could do something for him. It might be like, ooh, that's flashy, but I think he he needs to know more now, like what team wants him specifically because he has a skill set that is unique and some teams are going to be like, yeah, we don't need that. But then other teams are going to be like, okay, yeah, we really want that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's not a guy who's going to be just like someone who in general gets that kind of that buzz. You know what I mean? Cause that's not the kind of player. I mean, he could, but it's not the kind of player that he is in terms of his skill set, is what I mean. Yeah. So that's Bruno Fernando at the combine. Yep. We're still and, waiting uh... on the assistant coach. Still waiting. We part of the reason we didn't podcast last week was because we were kind of hearing that that might be decided last week, and it wasn't. Um, so it's it's really a sort of any day now kind of thing. Um, waiting for the we'll smoke. See. Yeah, basically. Waiting for the white smoke out of Xfinity Center, I guess. <laughs> would it come out of Xfinity Center? I guess. Yeah, it would. I think so. I guess it would. Would it be white? Yeah, white smoke. Yeah, it would okay. be white smoke. All right. Uh, well, I don't. Do we podcast when John Beeline now moved to the Cavs? Do we? Do we have that show when that happened or no? I don't think we did. I mean, that was that was kind of early last week. It might um, have been last week. Okay, because it's been an that's interesting. Hilarious. That's great news for Maryland. Well, it's been an interesting week for a few teams in the Big Ten. Like Michigan was going to be this top five team, and right and now they're sort of everybody. They've lost a lot. I mean, Iggy Brasdakis is now staying in the draft Jordan Poole staying in the draft Charles Matthews staying in the draft and and this is not like Bruno Fernando who really you understood could be a first round pick and proved it Brasdakis could be a first round pick but the other guys are not first round picks and yeah so really confident that you can get there and those guys are not first round picks having seen them play uh that's bold maybe it's something that they're doing because their coach left and there's their out which I, I mean I think Poole and um Matthews had made their minds up before Beeline left. Which, again, that's a silly thing. So it's, so it's interesting. I, I'll be honest. I think Michigan's still going to be pretty good. Um, even if it's even if it's Juwan Howard and Xavier Simpson and John Teske against the world. It's what's going to be next year. It's, it's going to be that. Xavier Simpson's that good. He is good, but I mean, like, one, you have one They'll player. need a score. They'll need a score. Um, yeah. There's... You know, he and Teske are really good defenders, but but I mean, neither John is... Beeline plays the most complicated system everywhere, right? And now, what the heck's going to happen when a member of the Fab Five comes in? So, I mean, that part will be interesting. It'll be interesting Cold to see shot. if he keeps the assistants too, because uh, Luke Yaklich was the assistant who sort of was their defensive coordinator. Hey, Maryland, and... you know what to do. I'd be surprised. I'm joking about that, obviously, but I'd be surprised. It, why not? We'll see. Um, I, again, highly doubt it, but it would be funny. But yes, yeah, I mean, so, I mean that's, most that's, most that's people a really now good have team in the Big Ten that just kind of cratered. Yeah, I mean, and they'll bounce back, but you know, it does elevate Maryland to definite, you know, like, premier challenger to Michigan State. Yeah, it looks like right now, if you're just thinking about it, eyeballing it, and thinking about it, and spitballing it, you're thinking. Is Maryland the best challenger for Michigan State in the Big Ten? And Michigan State's going to be really good. They might end up coming into the year consensus number one. Maryland could be their best challenger. 
Like, it seems like that seems reasonable at this point. Because I can't think of anybody else that would be that good. No, I mean, just going off, you know, these still too early rankings and, you know, a lot of most experts say, yeah, I mean, Maryland is, with what happened to Michigan, probably that that answer. I mean, depth, depth kills. It's going to be a lot Mm -hmm. of fun. Uh, Let's move on to football-related things. There are a couple minor football-related things to get to. Uh, Clemson player, because Clemson's got too many players. I think Shaq Smith's in the transfer portal. That happened a while ago. And his biggest link is to you-know-where. We're talking about it. Yeah, and he reportedly, supposedly, um, entered the portal with a do-not-contact. And which which is very odd. The only reason you would do that is if you know where you're going. And the signs in that case would kind of point to Maryland where Corey Robinson, who coached him at Calvert Hall before he went over to IMG, is now Maryland's defensive backs coach. Um, you know, obviously he's got a pretty good relationship with Loxley. And, you know, it would be an interesting sort of dynamic if he because he graduated he would be immediately eligible with two years and he was a potential starter for clemson this year which anytime you can get a guy like that yeah it's pretty exciting for that yeah um and especially if keandre jones is for sure eligible which i think i think maryland is 99 percent sure he's going to be good to play this year um in which case you know this would be a very solid duo at linebacker suddenly you go from oh crap is maryland really screwed at linebacker to yeah probably not yeah i mean and in the spring game a couple guys that de- through spring camp and during the spring game a lot of guys definitely stepped up like um Ayinda ely was perhaps maryland's best linebacker through the spring um chance campbell really seem- seems to have taken a step forward um isaiah davis is the sort of returning starter at middle linebacker and he's been hurt and then you add in Keandre Jones and then probably the other outside linebacker spot. Currently, we have sort of Darrell Chami at kind of this jack position doing a lot of pass rushing. And it's a uh, Shaq Smith defense. Could, I should interrupt. Yeah, Shaq Smith could uh, slide in at that spot. He's, it's a very different defense to what you saw from Maryland the last couple of years for obvious reasons. But, again, I think he might – Mike Loxley might not, you know – you go to like the, the recruiting rankings from high school and you go, Oh, that's, that's, that's good. Not great. And then you go to the transfer portal. He'd win the transfer portal, you know, 24 seven ratings. Yeah. Especially, well, if that, if that comes through again, it's not, this is very much not a done well, deal. Do a really good job with it. Things can period, happen, but oh, for sure. I mean, the, you know, we can talk about this again. Now the, the Josh Jackson and Tyler Mabry additions are official. They have wrapped up their semesters and are good to come to College Park. Both will be immediately eligible. Um, both will Jackson, be starters, probably. Both, yeah, should be starters. I mean, we'll we'll see what Maryland does at tight end. I think you'll see some t- two tight end sets. And Chigozi oh, wow. Mokonkwo, the other tight end, you know, really showed what he can do as a pass catcher in the spring game. Um, Mabry's a little bit more of an all-around tight end more of a blocker but uh you know has has had good numbers pass catching as well so um that'll be interesting to keep an eye on but two massive additions to the offense it's coming 
excitement about Maryland football. You have no words on that because you know what's happened when you've been excited about Maryland football before. Yeah, no, I've been burned on that too many times. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna lay low. Oh, I'm gonna try to do the same thing, but you know. I mean, we spend our summers here being like, well, I mean, this guy could go, this guy, could, like, this is what we do for the summer, and then yeah. you kind of talk yourself into the team as a whole, kind of taking that step forward. Uh, and and then it and then doesn't happen. Last two years, they've won a total of nine games. Well, who did they beat multiple times? Who some people think are going to be good this year? Texas. Yes. So yeah. nothing that Texas does has any relevance because they've still all lost to Maryland twice. Mm-hmm. Congrats. Uh, well, I'm trying to think of what else is there in football. I don't think there's anything. I did see, like, somebody pointed out recently, I was checking around Twitter, and Mike Loxley's very different coach on Twitter, kind of doing things, advertising, like, oh, we're going to do this for season ticket holders and things like this. It's very different than previous Maryland coaches on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, Mike Loxley is becoming used car salesman Mike Loxley, except the used car is Maryland football. <laughs> yes, like, this car has 40,000 miles on it. The engine might have blown up. The transmission might be having a few issues, but uh, he can still sell you it. Well, I mean, actually, he would tell you that uh, we have just finished, or we are in the process of remodeling this car, and it's going to look great. God. What kind of kit car is it, though? Let's not go into car references because that might be too. I, I can't keep up. I will not be able to keep up. You will not be able to keep up because I, I'm a car geek. So uh, there will be some things that I will. Anyway, uh, it, but it is funny getting back to the point of how he is doing this on, on social media and becoming like the world's best salesman. And the thing with it is, I think Maryland fans are gonna buy it. Like they've got buyer's remorse from this football program, and for obvious reasons. But like Mike Loxley selling it is very, very different. I don't know how they're doing in terms of like the business and the season ticket sale stuff, but I have to imagine it's in much better shape than it's been. Most, yeah, almost certainly. And then we'll kind of see how it. Um, Again, the how test it is not how many people show up against Howard. Who cares? The test is how many Maryland fans show up for the Friday night game against Penn State. That's the mm -hmm. test. Yeah, how red can you keep that stadium? How red? Well, yes, Lord willing, you keep it very red. Well, how we'll many see. people? Well, how many people can you get there before the traffic hits? Is the other question. There. By the way, tune in next week. We'll probably not. We'll probably have podcasted by then, but you will find out the times for Maryland's first three games, TV and time of day. If you care about that sort of thing, but that's going to be released next week. So, stay tuned for that. A couple BTN specials, I can imagine, against uh, Howard and Syracuse and Temple. Who the hell knows? It could be on the ESPN News, but saying that's coming next week. And also, you'll know the time and network for the Penn State Friday night game. Put your money on FS1 for that. Uh, also, in transfer news, women's basketball just got a transfer from Tennessee. So we'll finish the football thing real quick. Uh, Wade Lees, who oh, yeah, we've, we've, known, we've known for a while, like he's, he's just not going to punt for Maryland this year. He'll be at UCLA. Um, Chip Kelly with an Australian punter that may have punched a teammate in the face. Allegedly. Allegedly, Allegedly. punched a teammate in the face. That's why I um, said May. I said May. Yeah, and so... Yeah, Maryland Wade Lee's and Chip Kelly. Wade Lee's Chip Kelly. That's going to be fun. Oh, God, yes. They need to have a buddy comedy. <laughs> Chip Kelly and Wade Lee's. I would watch the hell out of that. So would I. ESPN Plus, get on it. Do it. Uh, Maybe the Pac-12 Network will do it, but they don't have any money, so probably not. 
Nobody yeah, else I mean, has and, the Pac-12 network, so you couldn't see it. Yeah, and then that leaves Maryland with the mostly just the two punters coming in, um, which I mean, we saw in the spring game. Like the punters that were there in the spring are a little uninspiring. And remember, so, this is the Big Ten. You need to have inspiring. Punters. You gotta have a punter. Yeah. The more insp- more inspirational, the better. Yes. Maryland really became a Big Ten team when they had a 30-year-old lefty Australian punter. <laughs> yes, correct. Well, like, no. I mean, but I mean, we're never going to be Iowa, but you got to have a good punter, man. Mm-hmm. There are reasons why I respect punting more that I will not go into on this podcast because none of you particularly care about that. But, and it has nothing to do with Maryland being in the Big Ten. But in the future one day, uh, yes. So are, are they both freshmen? I think they're both freshmen. Yeah, the two newcomers are are both freshmen, so we'll see how that goes. Well, you got, Mike Loxley, he can sell you on anything. He's got to be able to sell the punters. I know he can. <laughs> yeah, I, I I have faith that he'll convince me the punting is going to be good. He can, well, he can convince me that Maryland's going to be good at football, so, I mean, I'm sure he can convince me that the punting is going to be all right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, now let's move on to the women's basketball transfer because I forgot about Wade Lee's. Uh, they do have a transfer coming in from Tennessee. Yeah, so Mira Collins, Mimi Collins, um, this former four-star forward from Waldorf, Maryland, went to Paul VI, played with one of Maryland's current signees, Ashley Owusu, the point guard. Um, went to Tennessee for a year. Coach got fired, coming closer to home. New NCAA transfer rules that might make her immediately eligible. We'll see whether that's something that she and Maryland do pursue. Um, it would be interesting because they, they do have a lot of pieces kind of set for this year, and she would probably be in the market for a lot more immediate playing time next year. But, you know, probably a rotational player at worst this year. I mean, she, you know, wasn't fantastic at Tennessee. You know, she was a freshman sort of role player. But she's a former top 50 recruit. You know, teammate of Maryland's new point guard. It's it's you know a no-brainer addition if you have the chance to make it and you have a scholarship open. And so Maryland went from a team the last couple of years that didn't really have a lot of depth to one that's looking like it could have a lot of depth really quickly. Yeah, I mean the when when the three players, four players really transferred out after the you know 2017 season. It kind of hurt Maryland for about two years. Um, you know, they just, they retooled and they still had a lot of pieces, but they didn't have, you know, the same depth that they would have had, you know, had they kept Destiny Slocum, Kai Gillespie, Jenna State, even Kiara Leslie. Um, all those players now playing with their, with their other schools. Kiara Leslie now, you know, a top 10 pick in the WNBA. Um, That's kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, she went to NC State close to home and, you know, it was by far the best thing she could have done for her career. Now she's got a pro career in the works. Yeah. But but for Maryland, like th- next year was kind of the year you, you would have circled because they had a really strong recruiting class coming in this past season. You already saw Taylor Mikesell, Big Ten Freshman of the Year. Shakira Austin has the game to be a superstar in this game. And then you bring in the number one recruiting class with, you know, the point guard that, Maryland hasn't had in a couple of years the you know a bunch of really solid wings and then a lot of returning production 
uh, really throughout the roster. And now a transfer that if she does play, more depth is not a bad thing. Absolutely. So that's a lot. And also the WNBA season is starting, and there's obviously lots of Maryland alums there. Yeah, um, the the two sort of all-stars, Alyssa Thomas and Christy Tolliver in uh, Connecticut and Washington, a lot, lot of former Maryland players on the Mystics. Um, well, why wouldn't you guess that? I can't imagine why they'd all want to go play there. I mean, it's not always the, uh, you know, the local teams that end up with the local players. You know, like it's the Steelers and Panthers in the NFL that have all the Terps. That's the Hawks. Are you forgetting yeah. one in the NFL? There are, well, there are a few, but I'm just saying, like most of them are are concentrated on that team. Yes. Um, like all the Rutgers alums are at the Patriots. Which is the funniest thing. You knew um, I was getting that in. Yeah, but like, I think I, I, I talked to Brenda about, I asked Brenda about this one time. Like, if you had, they, it was almost a starting five. Of like, <laughs> it's like an all-star team. Well, you could have done a starting like a five-player lineup of just Maryland players on the Mystics last year. I think it was Christy Tolliver, Tiana Hawkins, Shatori Walker, Kimbrough, Natasha Cloud, and now Kiara Leslie. It's another one, and it's just like that's half the roster played for well, Maryland. Well, it's good if you want to sell tickets to the Maryland fans, which they're not far away. It's a good way to do it. It's, it's definitely a good way to do it. Get more people in the building, and that season starts this weekend. Actually, this weekend. Yeah, so uh, watch the Maryland alums in the WNBA. Also, Kevin Herter was named, what was it, second team all-rookie NBA? Mm-hmm. That's first guy to do that. First guy, first Terp to do that in 20 years. And the answer to that question is? Steve Francis. I knew that you were going to know that. Well, I knew you knew it anyway, but I knew that too once you said 20 years. Because the only other guy I could have even thought of would have been Joe Smith, but that's further back in time. But, yes, it was Steve Francis. So, Kevin Herter, best rookie on uh, the Hawks. I don't care what they say about Trey Young. Well, Trey Young was first team, so. I know, I know. I don't care shame. what they say about Trey Young. I care about Kevin I was, Herter. I was so rooting for the Hawks to win the lottery. Oh, God, yeah. Come on. Like, I would have been all in on. Rooting for the Hawks. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Herter, so you're rooting for a Duke alum, but, I mean. You're on Herter, Trey, Zion, John that Collins. Spectacular. And we'll see what they do at eight and ten. This is this is an interesting draft. Um, I don't know. Well, they're in I, is my I'm all four team um, Maryland players play really well. Did you see uh, did Jake Lehman give those sad hugs after the Blazers got eliminated? At the same time, it was nice to see that he got on TV as a part of it. You know. Yeah, he did. Well, he was part of the bench mob. Hmm. I mean, and he was in the Blazers rotation for a while. They they got a lot of new pieces, sort of. Yeah, at Rodney, the deadline that Rodney that sort of replaced him. Um, Hood was one. Evan Turner, I think, was one that By know, the way, took a lot of the minutes. Was really he funny played. about watching that game for Myers Leonard. I'm like Maryland wasn't in the Big Ten at that time when Myers Leonard was a thing, but that's the kind of player that would have torched Maryland every night. Yeah, I think it was a uh, was a good time to avoid to not be in the Big Ten yet. Yeah, I was like, I didn't even realize where he went to school, and I looked like Illinois. Really, mm-hmm. first round pick. Man, another. Different. Caleb Swanigan didn't really play for Portland either, but he's been sort of a back-of-the-bench player for them this year. So a lot, a lot of Big Ten fun on that a lot team. Of big, yeah, go Big Ten out in Portland. Mm-hmm. Miss anything? I think that covers just about it. So, I mean, a couple of the other non-rev sports. We talked on the last podcast about Whelan Pot, Olin Kinkuntai. There you go. You did it again. <laughs> I mean, I've got it memorized at this point. It's really my best accomplishment of uh, this school year 
Um, finished T43 at Nationals, which doesn't sound great, but she's the number 72 um, player in the country. And after this, they set up this course, uh, Blessings Golf Club, that's where Arkansas plays. They set it up just so hard on the first day, half the field couldn't break 80. Um, wait, 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 what? Yeah. So what is this? Is like the is this like the USGA at the US Open setting up the course to be just absolutely impossible because you know we're the USGA and we can do what we want to get away with it? Worse. Worse? Okay. Worse. It's worse because no one pays attention apparently. Yeah. Well, they fixed it uh, a couple of days later. Well, they, I mean they they had some weather delays. Course softened up a little bit. They set it up a little easier. Um, so she followed an 83 with 73, 74 to move up some 60 spots from where she started. Okay. God, that's just wow. Yeah, it was rough. Um, Say being mean. I don't know. I, well, I don't know. It's mean, but <laughs> you know that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the men score on that course because they can play it super long from if they stretch it out all the way. Well, you would know. I'm not a golf expert. I'm amazed I could even tell yeah. you that the USGA screws you with the U.S. Open. But as we're recording this, the uh, the match play portion is on Golf Channel. So okay. Um. So yeah, and then uh, track and field has 18 participants at regionals for NCAA's, which is double what they had last year. And last year was the most they'd had in a long time. They had six players go to nationals. So that's a program that's had a really good season, broken a lot of school records, has one guy, Greg Thompson, who's a Big Ten champion in discus, has a chance to be a national champion at the end of the year. Um, so things are as good for that program as they've been in a while. Mm-hmm. Is there anything, anything else besides the fact that, oh, by the way, you're graduating? Oh, goodness gracious. Don't remind me. Uh-huh. Tomorrow as we record this. Tomorrow like, as we record this. Like in 24 hours, 22 hours. So the next time yeah. we do this show, you will not be a Maryland student anymore, which is crazy. Ew, don't tell me that. I don't like that. Well, unemployment Ugh. for three years, dude. You're, you're going to be all right. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know how many times I've mentioned that on this show, but I have mentioned that before. And anyway, uh, we will do a show next week when because we've got the women. And we also have, well, presumably Maryland will have an assistant basketball coach by then. I would think so. Perhaps. Depending on when we do the show next week. Uh, trying to think. I mean, we'll have, obviously, women's lacrosse to talk about. Baseball to talk about. So we'll still have plenty to get to. Uh, but we will get to that next week for the show. So congratulations on all of you graduating. Your, 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 your commencement speakers for the J School, Chelsea James, very good writer. Big fan of hers. Mm-hmm. Mine was Scott Van Pelt, not gloating, but I'm just saying. Yeah, no. Well, Chelsea James is someone who, like, we've had kind of come in before. Um, she was at a lot of Shirley Pover Center things. Um, you know, I haven't really heard from her since she moved from, you know, the Nationals to politics. So, you know, I, I, I'm going to be interested to hear, you know, the kind of things that, well, you know, she has to say and what she's learned from, from all of it. Yeah. Very interesting. Very good writer. You should read her if you don't. And uh, when I was in, okay, last thing, when I was in high school, like, uh, I was at, you know, one of my high school games, Lake Braddock, and Chelsea was there for All Met Sports. And so we were, like, interviewing the same players. And then within a couple weeks of that, she was on the Nats beat. And now she's she's my college commencement speaker. Yeah. As much as I'll tell you that, it's like, 
that's a promotion. A big promotion from high school to the Nats. Oh yeah. Oh god. I'm I I've covered high school sports. It's enjoyable. It's not my favorite thing to do. There's just a lot of stuff. It's a, it's a lot. It's it's well, and you're also dealing with people who are not at all accustomed to talking to people like you. Mm-hmm. And it's not fun. Well, it, it really depends on on who it is, because some people are just naturally like really good at. Well, it depends you know, on whether you're covering like big time football or basketball, then you'll be prepared by that point. But if you're covering other stuff, mm-hmm. yeah, have a chance. Also, and the main commencement speaker, slightly lower down the totem pole than Chelsea Janes. Sure. The incredible Michael Bloomberg. I've made fun of this all the time, and I will continue to make fun of it. Yeah, it's like, not good. Let's, let's pick the Hopkins donor. Yeah. Well, he's also doing it with other schools, too. I, I don't remember what the other school was. Somebody told me what other school he was doing. Like, there are multiples of others. So, I mean, I, again, Well, at least, we'll, at least it'll be a speech that he's rehearsed. Had... At least it'll be a speech that he's rehearsed, I'm sure. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. You, I mean, you have a huge group to pick from for Maryland. So many people you can pick from, and you pick him. Not, not good. Mine was Kevin Plank, and I have already made jokes about how since that speech, Under Armour's kind of gone in the tank, so I'm not going to do that again. But I did go, my sister just graduated from William & Mary, so their commencement speaker was Glenn Close, who was an alum, so it made sense. So, you can imagine me sitting mm-hmm. there making jokes about Fatal Attraction. And 101 Dalmatians. Mostly 101 Mostly Dalmatians. Mostly 101. Was not born when Fatal Attraction came out. I was around when 101 Dalmatians came out. By the way, when you think about it, and we'll end on this, because this is the non sequitur podcast, when you think about how the fact that the live-action Aladdin remake's about to come out, and it's going to be, you know, not good, uh, it all started with Glenn Close in 101 Dalmatians that many years ago. Started the trend. What a take. It is absolutely a take, and I will back it up with evidence. But that's another podcast that we will do at some point in the future. Uh, Congratulations to all the Maryland graduates out there. Life is just about as scary as College Park is. Thanks. I I love College Park, but it's not the best college town in the world. We're getting better. It is better than it was when I was there, but it's not where it needs to be yet. Uh, It's almost about as scary as the angry Maryland quarterback hating God. That sound better? Sure. Okay. Anyway, (laughs) congratulations to all of you. We will see you next week. Hopefully we'll talk about national championship. Until then, go Terps.